We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. and drops back, throws an arcing pass upfield, Reggie Townfields gathers it in on the dead run, and races all the way to score for Los Angeles, a 72-yard touchdown play. First down, inside his own five from his own end zone, sacked in a safety on Rudolph, Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg, a savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Right steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is our post game, if we can call it that, post game podcast. And, uh, well, I, I got thoughts. I got lots of thoughts. And I'm wondering what Mike's thoughts are going to be on this one. I'm pretty sure I have a good idea on it because I think 
for one, C9 might be on the same wavelength here. There's some problems down there in LA with uh, number 16, and we're going to need some real, real, we're going to break this one down, I think. Mike, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good, and uh, man, just ready to get into it. Uh, what a tough loss on Sunday, man. So, yeah, I'm interested, as you are, to see where the discussion goes today. Well, I know where it's going. You know, and and I wanted to do this well before a bunch of people just turn off the podcast because for our seven to four team, I think we've had some pretty negative moments this year when it comes to kind of what we see because it's a lot of it's the same stuff, like the same problems that we've seen over and over and over again over the years. They don't seem to be going away, and you should start seeing an evolution as a, as a head coach with Sean McVay. You should be seeing certain things within your program getting better and better over the years, more efficient. And uh, those things, to me, don't seem to be happening. But what really concerns me, it's really really got me kind of bummed here, is the Rams have probably the best defense they've had in a long time. And that's with a linebacking core, which, quite frankly, frightens me. And <laughs> Mike, I can't... I feel like they're wasting this defense right now. And there'll be those who argue and say, well, the Rams still put up pretty good offensive numbers. They still, but they went the bad, man. I guess the right, with, with certain matchups, the four nerds are a great example of that. They went the bad. And I, I, I can't sugarcoat that. I can't avoid that. I can't, Come on this podcast and, and blow smoke up everybody's butts about that. This is a seven and four team. They're going to make the playoffs. I'm, I mean, they have two games. You know, the Jets is a win. The Patriots will probably be a win, and then you got a, a couple of games. With I think they'll they'll get ten games. Maybe get eleven games this year. They'll win. They're a good football team, but I think what it has me going already on a tangent, Mike, is I see so much more there. I see. If the offense can figure this thing out, that defense is good enough to win a Super Bowl. They, they played that well as a unit. The offense, though, they come and go. And it's frustrating to watch. There, there's my event. There's my event. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's event if it's all true. And again, are we going to say we're 100% know-it-alls? Absolutely not. But our eyes, I will say, do not deceive us. And from many of the comments on different posts... Uh, everybody seems to be seeing the same thing. Uh, inconsistency. Uh, McVeigh seems to call a good game for a portion of the game. Then it just seems like uh, I'm pulling plays up a rabbit out of a hat. Uh, Jared Goff at times looks like, okay, he's matured. He's turned this corner. And now we're going to have a consistency at the QB position. And then it's like, no, we're not. And then it's just kind of at this guy's, time in the career one of the things i guess i'm a little disappointed hearing you know announcers saying well you know the young quarterback and i'm like no you're not a young quarterback you can say that but you're in your fifth year now so the young quarterback thing out the window young quarterback first year guy maybe second year guy but once you've been a starter for an extended period of time young 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 that kind of goes out the window so we need to look for some maturity at that uh, QB position. And if nothing else, you, you just can't turn the ball over in some of the crucial situations that the ball got turned over uh, on on yesterday. So 
Yeah, man, I'm just I'm really interested. I would agree the defense is getting better and better each week. And you're not going to hold a guy like Aaron Donald down too long. He came in with a mission. He let everybody know why he's been the reigning defensive MVP. But as he said uh, earlier in the week, he's a guy who's literally he's not just getting held. He's literally getting tackled. The play he caused the strip fumble, the lineman is trying to tackle him as he's tackling the quarterback. You see no harm, no foul from the official, though he was standing right there looking at it. And I guess he figured, well, he caused the fumble, so there's no need for me to just call this penalty. Uh, So all that being said, you're starting to see, as we talked about the last couple weeks, other guys in that defensive front that linebacking core starting to make plays and you can tell that they're just getting better and better, whether it's getting more confidence with what coach uh, Staley's calling on defense or now again, they're playing in this defensive scheme a little bit more, a little more familiar. So there's a lot of good things in spite of, you know, this loss to my unfavorite team ever, if that's a word, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these Niner dudes, oh my gosh, it just makes my blood just, uh, I just feel like I'm going to drive up to Frisco and just jump somebody in the parking lot or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, that's the thing is, we've talked about this so many times before, Mike, and that is the 49ers are always a measuring stick. They will always be the measuring stick. And when the four and six 49ers come in, they've lost three in a row. They're yes. coming into your home field. that you lose, The first time you lose... You're losing to the arch rival 49ers. Arch rivals, yes. On your home field. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, that's that's what really kind of burns you a little bit. Before we move on, I cannot forget, folks, if you are listening to the podcast for the first time, you're probably noticing a little bit different sound than what we usually would have. It's because I'm currently located in a bit of a different place uh, with, with family in. Uh, I've been, been forced out of the studio in a different part of the house. I apologize for that. We're going live, both because... Uh, as teachers, both of us, um, we have really wacky schedules right now. So the live podcast will probably stick around for a while, which also means oftentimes the audio quality is not what we normally like it to be. I apologize for that. When things come back to normal, a- a.k.a. a post-COVID world, we'll be back to doing things we lo- the way we like to do them. But in the meantime, we just appreciate your patience. And we appreciate you always sticking with us and being loyal subscribers. Um, if you are listening for the first time, ask you to head over, head over to Apple Music. Subscribe, please. It, it, people seem to think it's the listens that help us out or the reviews. And the reviews, by the way, do help us out. But the subscriptions make the biggest difference. Subscribe, please. If you haven't subscribed to Apple Music, subscribe somewhere. And it really helps support the podcast. Of course, a five-star review is always helpful as well. We would really appreciate that. So there you go. You can find us anywhere podcast can be found. And uh, let's get this thing going here. Like, yeah, yeah. the thing about the 49ers is this. This is a team that was get, they were getting players back. And we've been saying this for a couple of years now, that the 49ers have long been building to beat the Rams. They're a horrible matchup for the Rams. And in, in, the, in the actual broadcast, they made a great point. The 49ers have a defense built on speed. That's what they're built to do. And that speed is going to frustrate a lot of teams, but especially the Rams, because the Rams like to use deception more than anything else. They like to, they're not really big into a power game. They can power, 
but they're not big into a power game. They're not really all that fast offensively. So a defense that can use its speed really well in the pass rush, they can use its speed on the linebacking core, can make up for mistakes with within you know, the deception offense that Shopping Bay runs, and they can really shut down the edges. And that's what they did for much of the game yesterday. That's what they did for much of the, of the first game. They are a matchup problem. But with matchups comes opportunities. And just because they're a bad matchup for the Rams doesn't mean the Rams can't beat them. And that's where the real problem is for me. This is a 49 seed that was led by Nick Mullins yesterday. Led by Nick Mullins. Not Jimmy Garoppolo. Come on. Not Jimmy Garoppolo. And Mike, tell me, how is it that, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, okay? You have an offense that has multiple weapons. You have three different types of running backs. You have not committed much to the running game all year. They are running outside getting stuffed. But they didn't really commit. People are going to say, well, wait, the, the play ratio is 31-28. Yes, yes. But where are the runs going? Why aren't you trying to go in between tackles? Why aren't you trying to use their speed against them with the power game? And that, to me, is what really showed some major problems with the Rams' offense. Where was the push when they did go up the middle? Where was it? They didn't have much of a push at all. And the question I have, is it because of a lack of commitment to it? Or is it the fact that these guys aren't getting pushed? So that's what I want to ask you about. As a defending guy, you've seen these these types of games before. What was the is it, is it the lack of commitment with the inside running game? Is it a lack of pushing the offensive lines at both? What's going on that they can't, they cannot match up against defenses built like this? Well, one thing is it's it's the lack of will and consistency. The Rams will not stick with it. It literally is like if we get a first down by running the ball, it's almost guaranteed we're going to pass the next first down. If we get a first running, the next play is typically going to be a pass. That's predictable. And and again, I'm not in there breaking down the film to that degree, but we had a thing that we look for. They call it analytics now. My day, we called it tendencies. And so you have, to me, just obvious tendencies that the Rams, Coach McVay, do that are easy defensible if you're a defensive coordinator. Me and a couple people, we're texting back and forth, and we're going, we're literally going to get Mr. Robert Sala uh, a head coaching job. All he's going to do is put together tape of his defense against the Rams, the so-called vaunted offensive Ram units, and he's going to get a head job just because of that. Look, I shut down these guys like it's nothing. So it's literally like, they have Coach McVay's number, so I don't know if it has to do uh, with young Shanahan and them coaching together and just it almost seems like a stubbornness of Coach McVay when it comes to playing the Niners, like it's a personal thing with him and young Shanahan where he just like, well, I'm going to outdo you. And it's like, no, let's stick with this run game. 
and go to work because at some point in time, if you're running downhill on people, you're going to break one. And we saw that yesterday. But I laugh because I'm going, yeah, uh, my guy gets in there and breaks a long run. And literally, you know, Cam Akers literally kind of gets run down, you know, inside the 10. But I looked at it and go, yeah, that's because the guy's not warmed up. If he had been in there just a few more plays, but he comes in, breaks, but dude literally just comes off the bench. No warm up. Hey, man, going to game this time. Oh, he breaks. But literally, it's like, yeah, he would have never gotten caught had he been just a little bit warmed up. So it's just little things like that. And then I don't know that we even seen him that much after that. Breaks a long play, almost scores. They did let him, you know, take it in and score the touchdown. Okay, good. And then it's like, okay, man, let's leave him in and let's run that play again and maybe just flip it, run it to the other side and just see if we can break on these guys again. So I think most of all, I'm saying it seems like, especially against this Mr. Salah, uh, they have our number offensively based on analytics, tendencies, whatever you want to call it. And we just won't stick with the running game that will wind clock and also wear down a defense. But when you're throwing three out of four downs, you're not really tiring out anyone on the defense. You're 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 basically playing into their hand, giving them more opportunities, incomplete pass, loss of down, sacks, stuff like that. And next thing you know, you're in a game that you probably should have won two touchdowns going away. I look at it with the the view that well, I mean, let me just say this. For those who don't know, I used to, I I got into podcasting actually through writing, and I wrote uh, I covered the Rams for a couple of years uh, through the the Yahoo program over there, Yahoo Sports, uh, for did stuff for Sports Out West, Sports Out West was running pretty good, and then we started our own site here at Rams Talk, and I, I had not written in a while. I actually sat down last night and I wrote an article. I mean to tell you how much this bothered me, I actually wrote. And it should come out tonight at some point. But in the article, I talked about there's three things here that really concern me about what the Rams are. And it has nothing to do really about the defense. The defense is doing a phenomenal job. And we're talking about defenses had some had numerous injuries here, by the way. They're still doing well. But they're being pushed against the wall here. We can look at yesterday's game, and I got into this debate on Twitter today because I have someone literally putting the blame, the entire blame for the loss on Goff. Well, you can say that, but the defense literally saved Goff and the Rams. They got a 2017 lead, right? So you can't blame the loss on Goff because Goff's mistakes were overcome. If you want to say well, he was part of it, sure. But the other part of it as well is, as I hate to say, the defense gave up two late drives. And you might think I'm hammering the defense because of that. I'm not. They're freaking tired. They're tired. They're on the field way too much for a defense that needs to be fresh in the fourth quarter. And that's why these three things are bothering more than anything. One, Jared Goff. And I want to save that one here because that's 
that might be a rant from both of us, uh, to the offensive line. There is The offensive line isn't right, Mike. It's not. You're not getting adequate pass protection right now, at least not in the last game and a half. You're not getting adequate push in the, in the run game. And then you get Sean McVay, who is so gifted. He just he is an extremely gifted play caller. He's 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 gifted with his organization skills. He remembers things that people just won't remember. And I think sometimes you get in your own head. Like you're, you're talking about being focused on beating Sally and, and beating, uh, trying to get pretty for um, what's his name up there, Shanahan. Shanahan. And I I, I think. Sometimes when they say trust the process, I think sometimes you trust the process too much. You only have so many plays you can run in a game. So why do you... I mean, it's something the Rams have done numerous times over the course of years. I'm not saying this happened yesterday, but they get inside the 20-yard line, they get inside, inside the 10-yard line, and you start throwing the football all over the place. Well, run the freaking football. You get down the one-yard line, run the football. Why are you running screens? Why He does weird things like that. And they, you could argue, well, he's setting the game up for something later. You only have so many plays left in the game. This is you, Inside the five-yard line is not the time to set up for later in the game. It's, it's the time to get the ball in the end zone. And he does and weird things and scenarios like that all the time. The jet sweep's great. And they, they, but they, to me, they run too much. They don't focus enough on the inside game at all. So even a game where it's 31-28... A pass to run ratio, you need to run more. You're you're facing a team that is good on the edges, both with its pass rush and stopping the run. That means you need to be attacking the gut. And even if you're going a three now here and there, you still need to attack the gut. You need to really work that. Get your get your running backs in the game. And you know when they finally did that. Cam Akers breaks his 61 yards. This Rams offense is built to run the football. So then run the freaking football. Help your quarterback out. So that's my problem here. Is Sean McVay consistently puts his quarterback in a position to fail. He's not he's not he's not a you're not establishing the run. You are not in any kind of way moving the pocket. So you have a quarterback who is a pocket passer with an offensive line that's struggling. They're coming on the edges. Move the pocket. Help that man out. And then, of course, the, the, be, the, say the best for, for Goff at the, at the very last, or the worst, however you want to frame it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pause say that because I want to give you a chance to respond there why it's posted out there. Play calling, a lack of commitment to the running game, a running, a running, an offensive line that's not game push, and if you can't get push in those big games, those close games, those physical games, you're not going to win. And the 49ers are physical; they're coming. Even at four and six, now five and six, they're coming. I don't know what else to say to that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to agree and disagree. Uh, I, I think the O-line is doing a heck of a job. 
I, I think two things as far as where the quarterback and O-line have to work together. There are times when Mr. Jared Goff is sitting back there and it's, it's as though he has one read in mind and I'm going to throw it there regardless. Uh, the interception that was made to uh, Richard Sherman. It's like, okay, who's he throwing it to? Was he throwing it to the underneath guy? Or was he trying to go deep? And it's it's things like that, you know. Uh, you had Daryl Henderson on a little wheel route, wide open. All you got to do is just drop a dime. And he throws the ball literally almost out of bounds in the end zone. And it's like, okay, I didn't even have a chance to even make a play. Those are basic throws for a quarterback, especially a fifth-year quarterback. Now, do guys have off days? Absolutely. I mean, it's just some days, I don't know, maybe your your navigation system is off a little bit. But when I think of, again, playing with guys like Dan Moreno and playing against guys like Joe Montana and some of the other greats, even a guy like Boomer Sice in the left-hand bandit, even when he was with the Jets late in his career – those guys still could throw the ball no matter what. That's what I do. I throw the ball. So when you're a quarterback, you have to be able to, you know, throw the ball and put it in spots where your guys can get it. I'm looking at Pat Mahomes. He's throwing balls behind people's helmets right to his receiver. He has some unique receiving corps. Absolutely. I get it. But the ball's where he's putting the balls are literally just on the money nine out of ten times. So when I think people say, yeah, man, it's on golf, it's because of the missed opportunities that he seems to miss out on on basic throws. They're not hard throws. So that's why the line, they have nothing to do with that because if you're hitting those throws, those are big plays that you're picking up not ending up third and long where now everybody knows they're sending the dogs. So once everybody knows they're going to send the dogs, yeah, you're probably going to come up short, especially when we're still trying to run deep routes when nobody's separating. So I put a little bit more on golf in that respect. But then again, I have to look at Coach McVay to your point. How are you using the guy's strengths or his weaknesses? You can easily see. I'm watching the fastest receiver we have being a gunner on special teams, Jefferson. The dude blows by guys on the gunner and just runs down there. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to tap that ball back. But if you go back and look at it, you clearly can say this guy is literally the fastest receiver we have. Why is he not playing? He should be where they had to try to have Cooper Cuff outside. Cooper Cup can't separate outside. You need to put Jefferson outside wide. You need to put Robert Woods in the slot. And you need to put uh, Cooper Cup coming off the sideline. And you have your other receiver uh, on the other side. So those are kind of things. It's like, yeah, I don't know why certain guys are playing and other guys aren't playing. But if it's me, I got Van Jefferson. I got Josh Reynolds, and I got Robert Woods. And Cooper Cuff, sorry we paid you a bunch of money, but you get to come off the uh, the pine right now and, and give us that six-man field that we get in basketball. 
Uh, because literally, if he's not in the slot running little dig in and out, crossing routes, he can't separate. They're jamming him up like he's in a traffic jam in L.A. And so that's coaching. You got to be able to look at that and go, okay, yeah, we gave a guy a bunch of money, but he literally can't separate. We got to fix that. So you put all these things together and you now get this, what we have noted, inconsistency where it looks like the Ram offense can be prolific. And then it looks like, what are these guys doing? They all look like they don't even belong in the league. So to your point, one week we hear from the tight ends and then we don't even hear from them this night. Are they on the team for two or three weeks? You can't have that when you're trying to win a championship and get to the playoffs. And now, even though our record looks decent, this was a game we weren't supposed to lose. So now when you look at the schedule, you go, huh, yeah, I thought we would get that Niner game, and then we go to Arizona, man, we go over there and steal a game. But now you're looking at what if we don't go to Arizona and win? I don't know. Arizona's struggling, but guess what? You, you just don't know which team is going to show up. And that's exactly. why earlier when I talked about the New England game, before I would have had that game as, yeah, it's a win. But now I'm not so sure. New England's picking up the play a little bit. And, you know, I can't I can't give that one to the Rams anymore. But just to back up a little bit, I think they're – I don't disagree with you. I think you're, you're saying when it comes to the offensive line, there are a lot of – there's a lot of complexity when it comes to the pass protection. I'm focused on the running game when I'm talking about the issues there that I have a problem. They're not getting pushed in the running game the way I think they should be. When it comes to the passing game, I think it's there's a, a mixed bag. And I don't want you thinking that I'm def, that I'm kind of letting Goff off the hook. It's to the contrary, actually. So to the biggest contrary possible. And that is I've been waiting to say what i got to say until we got all those other things out of the way. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is this. Jared Goff is in his fifth year. Four. If, I give him, if I'm saying, hey, listen, his rookie year's a wash because he had Jeff Fisher there and Jeff Fisher is a hot mess. I mean, we had middle school offense his, his first year. Uh, I'll give it a wash. I'll say he's a fourth-year quarterback. At this point in your fourth year, there's no more excuses. Quarterbacks have bad games, sure. Okay, fine. You're going to make the occasional bad decision. The problem I have with Jared Goff is it's always the same bad decision. It's always the same one. Where was his interception yesterday? Towards the middle of the field. Just made a bad decision in the middle of the field. His, his interceptions are rarely off in the corners. It's almost always the middle of the field. He fumbles way too much. Makes stupid risks. The, the running play where he try to juke some dude out right like like dude doing? what are you doing man you are the, you're, you're not a running back hey i i understand you're try, I, I get it you're trying to make a play but at year five year four if you want to be nice that that doesn't fly anymore man you are the franchise quarterback you're not paid to be the running back you're not paid to go up there and juke somebody out you know what that when you're doing that what what body part is being left out in the open for you your knee what's what ruined Sam Bradford's career before he even really got going? His knee, his ACLs. So let's go ahead and leave that out there for sort of go whack. Slide, dude. Slide. That's what you're supposed to do. 
Seriously, make better decisions in the field. My problem with Jared Goff is simple. He's got elite physical talent. Where's the brain to go with it? And that sounds horrible to say. Where is the brain to go with it, though? To consistently make good decisions. Is he not prepared? We had that argument a lot last year. Is he just not prepared going to the games? Are you not prepared for what the 49ers are going to bring? Do you, how do you not know at this point what the 49ers are going to bring to you? They've beaten you four straight times now. They have the same recipe. They're going to come at you with their front seven. They're going to run right at you. They're going to, to force you to make mistakes. So here's my question for McVay. And here's my question for, for Goff. What adjustments are you making in these situations? What adjustments are you making at the lines here? What, what aren't you reading? See, that, that's my problem. What, you should be evolving at this point. And I'm not, he's not a bad quarterback. I, I keep, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing on social media people saying, hey, bench him, bench him. Are you freaking nuts? He's still the best quarterback you got. You're going to trust John Wolford to come in there and make those plays for you? Are you on crack? He's still the best guy you got. But let's not act like, you know, he's a great quarterback right now. He's not meeting expectations. You're paying this guy $134 million over four years to play like an average quarterback sometimes, and sometimes he's great. He's too inconsistent, and he makes bad decisions at the worst time. The great ones, even the great ones will make a bad decision, but the great ones always follow through and lead. And where is his leadership? Where was his leadership yesterday? You know who led yesterday, Mike? The defense led yesterday. There's no doubt. You could literally see Aaron Donald goes, you know what, guys? We're not going out like this. And he literally became a one-man wrecking crew, and then it became contagious, where then you got a guy, you know, running around and playing hard and and doing all kinds of things, you know, at the linebacker position. You got, you know, uh, my guy, Brockers, trying to make a play. Greg Gaines making a play. Sebastian Day making a play. You had Troy Reader looked like he was going sideline to sideline. It's like, okay. Leonard Floyd was coming up big. It's like, okay, where's this guy? Man, okay, well, shoot, yeah. You know, the DB's making play. You know, you got your safety, Nick Scott. I love that kid. That dude will hit you. And so, Darius Williams is making plays. Obviously, uh, and don't let me forget this thing about Jalen Ramsey. Remind me of this. But the point I want to make is, again, when I say, you know, things that we don't stick with, go if you just go look at the, the, the tape, if you look at these, the fourth quarter when you got to have it, we went five plays, 68 yards, a minute 15, touchdown. Okay? Then punt, the Niners, seven plays, 19 yards, and a punt. Then we get the ball back and go six plays, 15 yards, and punt. And so when you look at that and go, okay, what did we just do then? So you pull it up, Cam makers rush up the middle, four-yard gain. What I tell you, second play, Jared Goff passed Robert Woods to the right, 12-yard gain. Okay, first down. Cam makers rush up the middle, no gain. Okay, that's easy. Run on first down, throw on second down. What did we do? We came back, run on first down, no gain. 
Come back again. Run on second down. Six-yard game. Then we get a sack. Now it's third and four, and we end up punting. So this guy ends up fourth and 11 off the sack. So the thing is, third and four, what are we doing? We try to pass, seven-yard loss, and then we end up punting. So that series right there then becomes crucial because we didn't really run any time off the clock. And so for a defense, it's like, okay, we got to go back out there. They come in, field goal, 10 plays, field goal. And then it's tied 2020. Then we come in, we got a chance with, you know, a little over, what, four minutes, I guess. And then we start doing this silliness again. First play, pass. Second and two, pass again. Got a first down. Third play on the first down, pass again. Robert Woods. Next play, pass again. Incomplete. Next play, pass again. Intended for cup. Incomplete and end up passing. So we come back in the last series, not one run play. And it's like, okay, what what were we doing on that series? It's a 2020 tie. We're passing the ball, not winding clock. So it's things like that that doesn't make sense. And to your point about Jared Goff, personally, we have a thing in football is like, yeah, man, I play football. Okay, do you like football or do you love football? Some guys just like football. To me, Jared Goff is a guy, he likes football. He could do with it or do without it. Every time I watch him go to the sideline, you can say, well, hey, you know, I like a quarterback who has an even keel. He doesn't get too high or he doesn't get too low. No, man, you need to have some emotion in this game because if nothing ever bothers you, you could care less if you win or lose. You could care less if you lay the ball on the ground. You could care less that you don't throw the ball out of bounds when you should. You're just kind of. I like football. Hey, man, it's fun. I got paid a lot of money to do this. Hey, man, you know, I'm really, you know, I can't wait to go be a stockbroker. Hey, I can't wait to go do a real estate business or whatever else he wants to do. And so the thing is, you look at him and I tell people all the time, I think the Rams felt like they were getting a steal, a young guy coming out early. He was going to be the next Aaron Rodgers because he played a cow. It's like, no, Aaron Rodgers loves football. Jared Goff, to me, he just likes it. He he doesn't love it. The guys that I play, Joe Montana, love football. He loved beating you. He was cool, calm, but you weren't going to just, he wasn't going to be making the same mistakes over and over and over. I played with Dan Moreno. That dude was intense. Not to a negative point, but his idea was, his model was, If Dan ain't throwing, we ain't going. And you laugh and go, what quarterback says if he ain't throwing, we're going to lose? That's what his bottle was. And you could say, yeah, but you never went to a game thinking that the quarterback was going to lose a game for you. I don't know that these guys and even the coach has the confidence in him. And someone pointed out to me like, well, Stu, I think that's why they call such you know, at times it's like, man, it's so conservative. But if you don't trust a guy at the quarterback position that he can get it done, 
at the level that you needed to get done, well, you're going to call more conservative stuff. So I think that's part of the problem. Last but not least, Jimmy Jimmy, uh, Johnson's model was this. I'm creating competition at every position. To your point, Jared Goff's not looking over his shoulder. They're not going to put that guy in for no reason. He's not looking over his shoulder. He could go out and throw five picks and he won't go to the sideline probably. So that's a dilemma. And so instead of keeping a guy like uh, Bartles here and paying him because you don't want to create this quarterback controversy, we now are in a situation a guy got a lot of money. He's not looking over his shoulder like, are they really going to put that guy in? No, they're not. So I put all those things into you need somebody at that quarterback position that you can look in his eyes and there's a fire that lets you know, let's go, guys. It's time to go win this game. Not like, oh, if we win, cool. If we don't, ah. So I just don't know that he loves it to that point. I think he likes football. You know, I hate to mention the name because I know how much we just love, love Tom Brady here. But <laughs> for all of the issues someone might have with Tom Brady, especially since Tom Brady did not even shake Jared Goff's hand after the, after last week's game. Right. Part of the reason why Tom Brady acts like that is because Tom Brady is a competitor. Tom Brady is a professional. And it, like, destroys him to lose a game. Like, he just can't – he is not – really great at handling it. But that's kind of the point is, is he is such a competitor that he feels that burn every time there's an L in the column. And Jared Goff, to me, kind of makes you wonder about where's his burn? Where, where is his desire to become a better quarterback? Because he, again, he has every physical tool. He has every single physical tool to be a great quarterback in the NFL. But you have to want it. You have to re- you, this is a craft. Okay, this is something you have to t- fine tune over and over again. You can't settle for it. But and the impression I get is that he's not fine tuning his craft. There's a here's a quote from I want to read it. It's from the press conference after the game the other night, and when this this blew my mind that McVeigh said this, okay? And McVeigh, again, deserves criticism for this. He's asked about what's going on with the offensive turnovers, and he says, it's taking care of the football. Our quarterback has to take better care of the football. When I, when I saw he said that, Mike, I was like, holy crap. Seriously? He did this? Continuing here, he's asked, you know, what does Goff have to specifically do to overcome these mistakes? He says, each play, like I've talked about, is its own individual situation. And this is a quote from, from Sean McVay. But it might be keeping two hands of the ball. Or it might be understanding that somebody is swimming around you that you cannot just throw it away when you don't see where you're going. Be able to trust our guys to be, separate, be able to separate. But overall, anytime you you turn it over as many times as we did, and he did, it just has to be better. He's capable of it, but we have to be able to get it done. Listen, we I mean, I, I, normally, Mike, we don't want a quarterback to be 
thrown under the bus. You don't want to see players thrown under the bus in public by your by your coach normally. But I want to say it. How many times have we been on here saying, "Okay, yeah, we heard you. You're saying again, McVeigh. You take responsibility. <laughs> That's right, leadership." Right. And after a while, it just kind of gets old, right? Because at first it's refreshing. Okay, this guy is is taking leadership. He's protecting his team. He's he, he, at some point you gotta stop protecting guys. Sometimes the only way they get better is by being honest about how they're hurting your team. And this is how I took his. You know, some people aren't gonna like it, but given the fact that he's not really been this kind of guy to criticize his players. When have you, can you remember Sean McVay ever really going out of his way to criticize his players? But he called out his guy here. And it's rare that I am good with that, but in this case I am. Because it's clearly not, nothing else is working right now with Goff in terms of getting him on that page. I'll be the first to say he has improved from last year, but he's still making the same mistakes. And, you know, while I don't believe that he costs the Rams the win, he didn't lead them to that win either. His mistakes put them in a position where they were going to lose. If, if, with the Rams defense playing how as it was, Mike, I really believe that if they commit no turnovers yesterday, uh, it's a win. And it's an easy win. Well, you got to think, man. The the ball that he throws to, uh, I don't know why I want to draw, uh, to the defensive uh, lineman, that's like a big play. Because it not only was a pick six, it kind of swung momentum that gave them a little more hope. But if we don't turn that over right then, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to punt the ball, and now Frisco has to go out and earn it. Now, the flip side of it is those guys on San Francisco, they don't believe in Nick Mullins. There's no way you can just look at them. But the defense came up with a few plays. And Debo Sanders, it's like, really? This guy gets hurt against us, hasn't played in forever, comes against, comes back against us, and just runs up and down and all over catching balls and just having like a career day. And it's like, okay, defensive staff, we have the so-called probably one of the number one corners in the league how come we're not moving with that guy Jalen just go get Debo Sanders we're not going to let that guy just run all over us and do what he did and so it's just things like that that you go okay that needs to be an adjustment and things like that but my thing is that turnover when you throw a pick like that and then the guy just runs it in that's just a big kind of momentum mind game like, uh-oh, here we go again. Because then the confidence just kind of goes out of whatever was happening, and then it goes again. You know, I watched a clip of them talking to Jerick off after the game, 
And literally, you would think that you had a preseason game that doesn't count for anything. That's his responses. Oh, you know, I just need to take care of the ball a little bit better. And, you know, as opposed to, hey, man, I'm not answering that question again. Obviously, I play bad. I snuck it up. I'll talk to you guys later. And go take your $5,000 fine or whatever it is for leaving the mic. But you just stand there. Oh, you know. So, to me, that's what's coming out now in McVeigh. Because I think he's starting to realize I need to have a guy back here at this quarterback position who actually wants to compete. You can't make someone compete. And so there's a great video by the new coach uh, of the Duke girls, uh, Cara Lawson, that I use with my guys. She talks about being a worker, people working hard and competing. She's like, at the end of the day, it's eight, nine million people who work hard. Yeah, they're working hard. They're doing this. But do they compete? She's like, that's what I need you guys to do. Don't ask me how, what I should do because this and that. I need you to compete every day. That's the thing I don't see Jared doing is like competing. You got to compete. You got to want it. It's got to bother you. It doesn't seem like it bothers him one bit. And again, Is it make him a bad guy? No. But when you're trying to win championships, you want to go back there as much as you don't like Baker Mayfield. I don't like him. I think it's almost false Barato. He's a little bit over the top, but at least it looks like he cares and wants to compete and wants to get better. He doesn't just accept mediocrity and losing and throwing picks. He gets on himself. He gets in people's faces But it looks like he wants to win and he wants to compete. And that's just as infectious as, you know, being cool, calm and collective and things like that. You know, so. uh, So that's where I see the dilemma going forward is how does a guy compete when you need it down the stretch? Because that I know playing defensively, when you go into a game and you think that, hey, man, we have to win this game on defense because a guy playing behind center is is not going to help us out any. And then you start seeing craziness where you're balling and then you say, see what I tell you, fumble. See, pick. See, pick six. Really? Man, they're not even scoring on us. they scoring on the offense. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he bounced back this week. And I think it's also important just – I think it's really important to note this too because this has been a hard podcast on some of our – you know, some of these guys. This defense deserves better. It deserves better from the offense. It deserves – they should be balancing off each other. And that's not happening. They deserve better from it. And one more thing here to kind of close things out. Hey, NFL, you got a problem, man. You're kind of setting the standard here. There's no way on earth Aaron Donald gets one holding call over 600 snaps. Yeah. That's appalling. The guy's held almost every play. We know you can't call holding every play, but you are you are basically saying it's okay. We want it, we want things to just kind of be fair when it shouldn't be fair. 
What I mean is, it's never going to be fair when you're facing Aaron Donald. You're covering his eliteness. Part of the game, when it, ha- when it comes to stars, is those stars create problems. And you're erasing those problems for the other team when you don't call penalties. I'm not saying you call every hold on him. But you got to call holding. That's irresponsible NFL officials. It's ridiculous. You know, I'm kind of blown away by the way that, that the Rams have actually kept track of that stat. But, my gosh, one holding call over the course of the entire season this far, pretty much. Pretty close to it, right? I mean, that's just absurd. He's held right. on almost every single play. I know you can't call it every single play. But, come on. You're erasing the impact of one of the highest paid players in the league. You are mitigating for opposing teams. He doesn't deserve that neither of the Rams. I just want to throw that out there. It's a bunch of garbage. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, as, as you say, as we're closing out, uh, there's a difference in, like, holding and, like, tackling. To me, <laughs> he's getting more tackle when you're literally the guys by you and you're grabbing him around the waist that's more of a tackle that's beyond holding so again you you got to know when a guy's getting double and triple team that there's some holding going on in there but to your point it's kind of like the early days of Mike Tyson when he just was knocking guys out if he complained like he did against Evander Holyfield, wait a minute, this guy keeps headbutting me. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Dude gashed me open, not from the fight, but with his head. So he took it over the line and snapped. But I understand when it's like, and he said that this Saturday, the little Roy Jones thing is like, well, wait a minute, why are you guys talking to this guy? He only stopped boxing three years ago. I haven't boxed in 15. And so... That, to me, is a testament. Yeah, Mike, because you were actually a real monster when you were in your right shape and mindset. Yeah, you were technically unbeatable. So, yeah, I I hate to see that just because a guy has been that good that you negate his greatness by not at least giving him a call here and there. So, But he's still doing his thing. So some guys are just going to figure out a way to get it done. Well, he did the other day. That's for sure. Sure did. All right, folks. I'm, I got to tell you, I'm getting tired here. It's one sixteen in the morning here. I know Mike's had a long day as well, but we want we want to make sure we get our podcast out for you. You can follow me on Twitter. Hope you do at DC Apollo. You can follow Mike out on Twitter at one do twenty three. Of course, Rams Talk is at Talk Rams. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Overall, we have a Facebook group. We have the website RamsTalk.net, and uh, of course, I have an I have an article going up. Jeez, any time now that gives my full thoughts on the game. Uh, and I, I want to point this out. is, and I, It seems like, at least it has to me, Mike, that with the Rams, it's we've had a lot of negative things to say, and that's not really the intention at all. I just have higher, higher expectations. I see so much potential there. I see so much that this team can be, and I still think they're really building for next year. But you got to fix some of those things, man. There's so many things that have just been a problem for too long. And you want those problems solved. 
your quarterback is, is paid to be a franchise quarterback, well, he needs to play like one. Your coach is, is regards one of the best, and he needs to coach like one. And the offensive line, you know, where it did have his issues, Mike and I might disagree, disagree a little bit here, it needs to play like a champ. You know, your defense is, is laying on the line. Let's let's go out there and get W's and, and see this team make a deep run in the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah, and, and last but not least, uh, absolutely. The the idea is simply this. There's a thing in this game, uh, and I'll say I remember getting into my second year. They expect you to grow in, exponentially from your rookie year to second year. And so the second year guy is like, okay, you're not expected to make, you know, what they will say bonehead mistakes and things like that or blowing coverages. And they expect you to know the defense by then and things like that. So if you're a guy who keeps making like rookie mistakes, as they call it, those are the guys that eventually you're not playing and then you get released. So ultimately in, in this situation with, with Mr. Goff, and again, to your point from Coach McVeigh, is it's not so much making mistakes that's going to come because nobody's perfect. It's to your point, as you noted earlier, you just can't make the same mistakes like throwing it to the guy when a guy's covered, not taking a sack when you should, running but not sliding or at least covering up the ball. You're not a running back. Why are you, to your point, why are you trying to juke somebody? You're not You're not tricking anyone. You're not elusive like that. So I just think you don't want to see a guy making the same mistake, and that's what is troubling a little bit. Yeah, and that's what it always is. All right, folks, yep. it is time for us to hit the road. We got preview podcast coming up this week. Glad to put it out. Don't forget butting heads. And until then. It is time to say goodbye. We're out of here. See you. We're out. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.